The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for sticking around. We have Yalmaz Siddiqui on the phone right now, and he is Office Depot's Senior Director of Environmental Strategy. He initiates, integrates, and communicates environmental programs that are implemented by Office Depot's core functions, such as merchandising, purchasing, construction, marketing, through its global commitment to buy greener, be greener, and sell greener. He also spends a significant amount of time engaging major Office Depot customers on their environmental needs and goals, and his mission is to improve the environmental performance of Office Depot and its major customers. He came to Office Depot from IBM Business Consulting, where he was a senior consultant in customer relationship management and the author of the first global study on environmental purchasing of wood and paper products. Welcome, Yalmaz. Thank you, Christy. Nice to be with you. Oh, well, we're very, we're very happy to have you, and we're excited to hear a little bit more about what Office Depot is doing, because as I mentioned early in the show, that in 2011, Newsweek Magazine's annual green rankings ranked you guys number one green, largest green retailer in America. So that's exciting. So obviously, there's a lot going on, and uh, our listeners are looking forward to hearing more. Why don't we start with, uh, with you, and what, what brought you actually to Office Depot? So I joined Office Depot about six and a half years ago. I came from IBM Consulting, where I'd really focused on um, consulting as a wide subject, so performance improvement, strategy, and a lot of my time was on customer strategy, what the customers of major clients of ours want. And one of the later projects I did uh, in my tenure at IBM was a study on on environmental purchasing. So what are the major buyers of wooden paper products looking for in terms of environmental dimensions of their purchases? And that took me back to my academic um, history. I did a master's in environment and development eight years before I joined um, uh, Office Depot, so the IBM project on purchasing reminded me of my uh, my interest. In fact, it was my plan um, to do my academic um, master's, then go to regular business to really understand the way the business world works, and then return to my environmental interest. And that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. um, after that uh, that major study of, of buying behavior of, of customers and how environmentalism fits in. What is this behavior? What's going on? What are you hearing from these customers? Well, look, there's been an overall shift, I think, notwithstanding the recession of um, corporate interest in in environmental matters and then more broadly sustainability. I think there's many drivers to that. You know, one is the rise of people like me in the corporate world. There's, There's, you know, hundreds of us now. Uh, as internal champions who are who are trying to work out the best way to to nudge our corporations um, greener, and um, so just the mere fact of of having dedicated functions in in corporate America, uh, I think requires um, action, and customers in all sectors are asking us um, not only about our operational practices to reduce our carbon footprint and reduce waste and and other uh, aspects of our operations but they're increasingly asking us about what we can do for them 
Mm. You know, office supplies are a really uh, an everyday uh, product. You use office supplies, every single person in corporate America or in, in, in any business or organizational um, forum uses office supplies. And in some ways, they can serve as a symbol of a company's uh, interest in uh, reducing their environmental footprint. And so what, what I'm hearing increasingly is how can um, our relationship with, with our customers in terms of the products and services we, we sell them contribute to their overall uh, environmental program in terms of reducing impact? Okay. So are you, um, when you mentioned nudge, nudge, you know, corporations, there are, you know, there are certainly are uh, many internal champions now. Do you find at Office Depot that you're nudging internally or are you getting the higher ups um, involved in the conversation with you to move the needle? Well, I'd say the the nudging is at absolutely every level. There's a historic perspective that if you don't have um, if you don't have everyone in the you know upper levels strongly advocating for the sustainability program, that it's not going to go anywhere. I, I think we've got some very strong support from from the senior ranks. I'd say our strongest support, however, is in the uh, is in sort of mid management ranks, where there's a large number of VPs and and directors who uh, just believe that environmental environmental actions are going to benefit their function, whether it's. Um, the construction folks building greener buildings or the facilities folks um, reducing our energy load or the um, private brand folks recognizing that there's a business interest or customer interest in, in, in greener products. So the, the nudging um, occurs at every level, yes, including the highest highest levels, but what's uh, I think maybe a little bit different about Office Depot's uh, approach is that we really try and touch every single function in our in our company and encourage ownership of environmental action mm-hmm. within the way they do what they do, whether it's reporting or building or or um, you know driving trucks. It, it's really an integrated approach. Right. Because it is much larger than, you know, when, when you think of Office Depot, you immediately think of paper. And that's going to be the, the main, you know, w- what I would think, okay, what are you doing with with, with forests? And, and where are you buying your paper? What What is that whole process? And we'll get to that. But it's also about, you know, building your, 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 your businesses and, 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 and energy efficiency and all those other issues as well. It's a, it's a company. It's a large company. How, actually, how large is it? Let's, get, let's give our listeners an idea of how large you are. Sure. We're an $11.5 billion retailer. That was our 2011 um, annual revenue internationally. About $8 billion of that is in uh, North America. Hmm. And we're roughly split. We... Um, are perceived often as a retailer with with retail presence, but a significant portion of our business is also direct contract relationships. So we sell to the federal government, to many large states, and uh, companies from very large to very small, and then also serve the individual consumer at the uh, the retail uh, retail store. And that, that's internationally. We've got a real cross channel cross channel mix. Okay, okay, and. 
when when you're I mean we'll talk let's stay on the customer a little bit when you when when I think that that uh, that is a very good point that a lot of a lot of it is contracts and and you know I had staples on as well and we talked about that and I think it's you know somewhat similar um, the the customer are they the, what are they specifically saying they're saying look we really we, we we need a we need a green product sure it's symbolic it, it certainly is for a company to be purchasing green products but what are they what are they let's let's focus on paper what are they asking you to what kind of recycled content do they want? Do they want to know information of where, where your where the paper is coming from? What specifically can you tell us? I'd say the two main requests around paper are certification. So, was the forest the virgin fiber came from um, well managed? Mm-hmm. And if it was well managed, to what standard was it? To the FSC standard that I'd say are a wider segment of our customer base uh, believes meets uh, meets their criteria, or to the SFI standard, which is. Uh, in our lexicon at, at Office Depot, a, a, a good standard that sort of ha- meets industry norms in that it's um, it's most of the paper we you know you buy in in America is is SFI certified. So it's not necessarily a, uh, an environmental request from from customers for SFI certified paper. It tends to be uh, an environmental request to say we want FSC certified paper. And then the second main attribute is as you can expect, recycled content. Mm-hmm. And the the historic tendency is to just is to focus on the federal standard for recycled content, which is thirty okay. percent post consumer. Uh, but we are seeing, especially on the West Coast, uh, a growth in, in demand for hundred percent recycled as well. Mm-hmm. Those are the three key themes I think um well, so certification, SFI, FSC, and then and then recycle. Now, I will say that there's there's relatively little um, information requested right now on the ultimate source of the fiber, but we recognise that's a, um, a brewing trend among the among our other stakeholders, our environmental stakeholders, and um, so that's where we're putting more effort in in terms of. You know, we're a very transparent company overall mm-hmm. um, in terms of environmental performance. We haven't necessarily been transparent to date on the sources of our products or papers specifically, but that's coming uh, down the line. Mm-hmm. Just sort of completes the story. Um, so the transparency is obviously a big part of probably why Newsweek, you know, recognized what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about um, how you're how you're known for for this transparency and what you're doing in this regard and, and why it's so crucial? Well, um, I think transparency of data is, is important for a number of reasons. First, if you're not tracking and, and, and measuring data on many aspects of, of your strategy, any strategy, whether it's environmental or, or customer strategy, etc. If you're not tracking, you, you don't really have a handle on, on what's going on and you don't know which levers you need to pull to improve performance or accelerate, etc. So simply the, the action of, of, of tracking is important. And the action of transparently reporting in many ways um, creates the internal impetus to uh, to put the process in place to track. You now have a formal mechanism by which every year you're reporting this data um, that the fact that you're measuring and disclosing creates the impetus to you know, 
pull pull that data and <laughs> and, and and track it regularly. Yeah. And it also helps bring sense to a strategy. So every aspect of our buy greener, be greener, sell greener approach is measured in in a set of concrete metrics that have stayed the same since 2006. Mm-hmm. So we, we can tell um, year over year how our performance has improved. And many, no, not all, but many of those metrics also have strong um, economic uh, connection. So the more we reduce our carbon footprint, the more our cost of electricity goes down. Mm-hmm. The more we recycle, the more our recycling income goes up. The more we um, sell of greener products, obviously, the, the, the greater our revenue. So, so there's a strong business tie to our to our environmental dashboard that, to your point, was really looked at um, as a positive tool by Newsweek. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's not just reporting and transparency for for transparency's sake. There's a strong business logic to why we want to track this data and and disclose it. And the, the final point I'll make is that one of the things we do that's perhaps a little different is tie our environmental data, whether it's carbon footprint or greener merchandise uh, or or any other one of our metrics, we tie them to specific functions. Um, So we're transparent on on not only the data, but who owns the improvement of that data. And I think think that's really helped um, us us continue to to move the needle, because if someone knows that they're accountable for for improvement of that metric, they want to contribute to um, to driving the performance in a positive direction. Absolutely. So there are that that's actually a good segue into my next question because not everybody even though everybody has their sort of purview, nobody can be an expert on everything and so partnerships are become quite strategic and quite important. One of them that, that, that you oversee is is the Forest and Biodiversity Conservation Alliance. Can you tell our listeners about a little bit about this partnership? Well, that was a partnership created by my predecessor that lasted about five years. So 2004 to 2009, we mm-hmm. ramped that down in, in 2009-10. Really, that was about getting a good understanding of where our uh, fiber was coming from, who was who was it sourced from, and um, it, it essentially making sure that the fiber we were buying was from responsible sources. And that was a partnership with three uh, NGOs, uh, the Nature Conservancy, Nature Serve, and Conservation International. And there was great value in in that partnership. It it, it, um, fulfilled its objectives, I think, um, overall. And as we conceived how we wanted to evolve that partnership, um, in 2010 and 11, we decided to somewhat simplify and um, hook on to uh, already an existing network of, of companies who are interested in these matters around forest and biodiversity conservation. Mm-hmm. And so we've evolved from that um, three-way partnership or four-way, you know, Office Depot and the three NGOs, to a, a, a binary partnership with. Um, World Wildlife Fund in the Global Forest and Trade Network. So mm-hmm. we are now a member. Uh, the evolution of the Forest and Biodiversity Conservation Alliance is really a recent membership in the World Wildlife Fund Global Forest and Trade Network that includes uh, not only us and WWF, but a number of other 
large companies, either buyers or sellers of forest products who are committed to responsible trade. Okay, great. So what about alternative fibers? We talked about recycled content in the paper. Um, Are you pushing any um, alternative fiber products? And if so, what are these? Well, we're getting some um, interest. And I can... Uh, I can almost step back to one of the earlier comments I made um, around our overall approach. We've got a very customer-centric approach to environmental strategy, and to a smaller extent, customers are are now starting to ask about alternative uh, fibers, you know, bamboo or sugarcane-based, paper products and the like. And so we do have um, not a huge assortment yet, but a growing assortment of products made with sugar, made from sugarcane or, or or bamboo, and that's there is an active search for high quality um, copy paper grades mm-hmm. to to service. Um, I'd say it's still a, a relatively small niche market, um, but I do agree that in the future we're we're going to be offering more. Mm. And there will be more interest in uh, in this space. Okay, you know I'm, I'm learning quite a bit about these these alternative fibers, and and I guess the big question is the the efficacy of them and making sure that you know they're they're going to live up to the same standards as as a as a traditional fiber product, which I I think they're they're getting there, they're doing it, so it's exciting. They are getting there. I don't I don't think many of the ones we've we, we've tested a, a number of them. We're not quite satisfied that the, the, the quality is there, and um, although we believe it's close. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, the important thing to think about from an environmental product standpoint is that the first generation of environmentally preferable products, I would say, um, to be completely frank, I would say failed to gain market traction. And I would say one of the main reasons is that they required the customer to accept a diminished quality, sometimes at a higher price. Mm, okay. So that's not a very compelling proposition to, to scale um, you know, adoption of a product if it costs more and is worse quality. Mm-hmm. So we've really focused on the, the notion of Trying to trying to get to quality parity, and you know, start educating the marketplace that that yes, sometimes greener products do cost more, but that's not the full story. That that um, many many product categories uh, do in fact uh, you can in fact buy greener products at, at a lower cost. So mm-hmm. the the quality match is, is important. But I'd say the the um, the lesson from the past is is that you can't. So you you got to you got to match quality. But the lesson for the future, I think, is we've got to start uh, moving the moving the conversation uh, in the marketplace away from the notion of greener products are are, are always more expensive mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. greener products can in fact um, save money or, or there's, a, there's, a, there's just it, there's a more nuanced explanation to the economic dimension of greener products than they cost more right exactly do you think that just just um, do, you, do you sense that there's a, a, a business uh, opportunity there for going for alternative fiber products in terms of setting yourself apart or do you, do you sort of foresee it as being part of a portfolio yeah I'd say it's part of a portfolio. I mean, to be to be frank, the, the 
we focused on paper in this conversation, <laughs> and yes, it's a critical part sure. of Office Depot's um, product mix. But I'd say the future uh, for us is greener. The future from an environmental assortment standpoint is greener everything, yeah. not just greener paper, greener toner, greener technology Absolutely. for the you know, eco, EPEAT and EcoSense standard, um, light bulbs, technology, uh, furniture, et cetera, et cetera. So we're really trying to expand the conversation about what is greener yeah. in inside the workplace to every category. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what about the, the greener office delivery program? This was something that I, um, I found interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we haven't talked about other, the other dimension of the customer ask, and mm-hmm. not, only is, not only do customers ask for greener products and to some degree our, our processes, but one of the more visible and tangible uh, touch points with, with us, given we send a lot of our products by you know, through delivery, is the the package the customer receives the item in. So over the last number of years, we've been getting requests from customers, large and small, to look at our uh, approach to delivering products and trying to reduce the waste or material footprint associated with that delivery. You know, we we send we 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 make over twenty or thirty million deliveries uh, a year. So on an aggregate basis, that's a lot of cardboard. Mm-hmm. So we started investigating what are the opportunities to reduce reduce cardboard, and we 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 tried a reusable tote where the products go in the reusable tote and and our and the, you know, the tote is left behind. Um, we found that 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 pilot didn't necessarily, um, was not optimal because especially on uh, university campuses, a lot of those totes that were left behind um, slowly disappeared, let's say. <laughs> uh, so they, they didn't really, they weren't really reusable by us. Right. Um, they didn't, didn't come back um, to the extent that we, we expected. So we, that problem resulted, I think, in, a, in, innovation, in an innovation that's, that's, that's really, uh, in some ways, game-changing. Uh, certainly in the office supply industry, potentially in other industries as well, whereby we innovated to create a paper bag that would serve as the, the, the tool for final delivery to the end consumer. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we're hitting our target of about 6 million deliveries in, in paper bags in the last uh, 12 months since we launched our pilot in August, or sorry, launched our national program mm-hmm. in August 2011. Um, that's about uh, 3.5 million pounds of um, cardboard materials avoided, about 20,000 trees avoided from harvesting. and. Um, it's also you know, a positive program from an economic standpoint in that as we reduce cardboard use, we uh, replace it with, with much lighter paper bags that are also less expensive. So mm-hmm. economically, it's a, a good program as well. And, and that's what we look for, actually. We look for, for programs that serve a, a customer need um, and deliver an economic benefit and reduce our and our customers' environmental footprint. So right. that three triple win is is something that that program, Greener Office Delivery, is definitely delivered. Um, but it's a philosophy that pervades our entire approach to environmental strategy. We want to we want to hit all three of those 
key uh, benefit areas. Absolutely. For those of you who are, are listening or just joining in, I'm speaking with Yalmaz Siddiqui, and he is the Senior Director of Environmental Strategy at Office Depot. So let us know a little bit about what is um, some, of the, well, some of the most exciting stuff you're working on that you haven't actually talked about and what's coming down the pike for Office Depot. So you asked me about partnerships, and I mentioned one of them called World Wildlife Fund, mm-hmm. and the other one that uh, we haven't really told much of the marketplace about yet is um, an initiative that started um, that was called the Green Products Roundtable, and this is something I, I served as a co-chair of for, um, for a couple of years, and now we've evolved the Green Product Roundtable into a new entity called the Sustainable Purchasing Council. It's not actually, you can't Google it yet because it's so, it's so early days for this, for this new entity. But um, to, to walk you back a few years, the Green Product Roundtable was formed because there was an increasing recognition by many stakeholders uh, including including the state um, procurement officers, including the federal um, uh, general service administration, including the EPA, including many NGOs, uh, environmental NGOs and companies that there's really no definition, no universal definition of, of, of green product mm-hmm. um, out there. And if there was, there was just there's actually just multiple definitions, and so the Green Product Roundtable was formed to to, to create a multi-stakeholder group to, to to wrestle with this problem of what truly constitutes a greener choice, and what is the framework for thinking about about greener products, and ultimately, how can we influence institutional purchasers to make uh, the right choices that, that lower their environmental footprint in, in meaningful ways. So I'd say what's exciting about this notion of Green Product Roundtable and Sustainable Purchasing Council is the fact that we're tackling, and you know, Office Depot has really um, contributed financially and intellectually to, to this, this, this effort, that it is, I believe, going to really solve a long-standing problem mm-hmm. of you know, w- what truly constitutes a, a greener choice. And if we want to buy um, greener products and more sustainable products, w- what does that actually mean? And how do you most meaningfully uh, reduce your impacts and make, make decisions as a, as a purchasing entity? Uh, this is really focused on institutional purchases, mm-hmm. the large buyers. Okay. Uh, B2B. Um, so that is something I'm very excited about. And so defining, um, hopefully, we'll see in, in a few years, the Sustainable Pension Council will be uh, a larger, more well-known entity and uh, will have been there uh, as Office Depot, as you know, founding partner of this, of this effort uh, that I believe will solve a problem that many people face. How do I buy greener and how do I buy more sustainably? That's great. So, so there's, no, there's no website now, but there will be at some point that, that, that people can migrate to. Yes, you can get you can get context at um, if you if you Google um, Keystone Green Product Roundtable Green okay. Product Roundtable you'll get the history of the effort and okay. and who's involved and in 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 the coming months. You, you'll definitely hear hear more about this about this effort. Okay, great. And you also have the Green Book, right? Which is the, the catalog. Yes, so we've had a green book. Actually, next year will be our 10th green book uh, as Office Depot. 
Wow. And in some ways, there's, there's, an, in, there's, a, uh, there's an interface between the between the um, Green Product Roundtable and Sustainable Purchasing Council and the Green Book in that we're one of the we're one of the only companies in the U.S., perhaps the world, who's had a catalog dedicated to to greener products for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, to populate a catalog with greener products presupposes you have a definition of green. <laughs> right. Right? And if you don't have a definition of green, what do you put in? Right. What do you put in the catalog? And, and so I think that the expertise that we gained over you know, over the 10-year period of creating green books helps us really understand, you know, category by category, how do you make a meaningful distinction between, between, a, between you know, product A versus product B, and what genuinely constitutes greener? I mean, there's a lot of talk in the Environmental Committee about what co- constitutes greenwash, so right. what, you, what you don't want um, in terms of green claims, but very little in terms of what actually constitutes green. Right. And and so that's an effort we've had to undertake at Office Depot for the last 10 years, and um, I think really helped our customer base educate them on on greener. So it's not just recycled content, but it's you know remanufactured, it's energy efficient, it's non-toxic, it's FSC, um, EPEAT, Green Guard, et cetera, et cetera. So so we've um, created you know for the Green Book we created a, um, a set of attributes and eco labels that. Um, that uh, meaningfully depict greener choices. We also believe, and this is represented in the Green Book, um, that there are shades of green. So um, green is not necessarily a binary concept, just like some people are greener than others in their interests. Some products are greener than others. So to to illustrate in the green book we have FSC certified virgin paper as a as a light green product it's you know it's greener than paper from you know standard um, forests mm-hmm. um, but it's not as green we would argue as a 30% recycled paper product and that is not as green as a 100% recycled paper product so mm-hmm. that notion of shades of green is is in the green book mm-hmm. um, but we've expanded that idea to all categories so you know in technology there's examples in furniture, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in some ways, the Green Book serves as a, a key tool to achieve one of our, what I think is our main objectives, and that is to educate our customer base and encourage them to, to go greener. Right. We think that's possibly the strongest lever we have in terms of reducing uh, the environmental footprint associated with our with our with our companies, not necessarily our own operations or even our suppliers. The the, the main lever is the customer, and so if we can use things like the Green Book, things like the Green Product Roundtable and Sustainable Purchasing Council to nudge the marketplace in a greener direction, uh, there'll be a significant ripple effects all the way. Up, mm-hmm. the, um, up the supply chain. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you so very much for your time. This has been highly informative. I've learned quite a bit. I've taken copious notes here, two pages worth, and uh, thank you for, for everything. It's, it's been terrific. You're welcome. Okay. And uh, there's a lot more to come. Definitely. Thanks very much, Christy. Okay. Have a nice day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com.